0: Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. I am so excited, O'Toole. Tell me why, Hollister. Okay. okay, before we get to Good Girls Revolt and Easy, I spent a good portion of the past weekend watching a lot of the new pilots. Do you want me to give you some reviews?
1: Yes, be my air traffic controller for the pilot season.
0: Okay, Notorious, which I think, did you end up watching that? I can't remember.
1: I did see the pilot. Interestingly, I saw a trailer for Notorious at the movie theater.
0: Oh, really? That's interesting. Everything's
1: upside down these days. You see what's coming (laughs) out in TV at the movie theater. The
0: premise of Notorious, I think, is excellent. The premise, it's actually based on, do you remember Larry King?
1: You mean the guy in the suspenders with the late night talk show? Yeah, that's
0: him. He's actually still on, but I don't know what channel. But anyway, he had a producer, um, Wendy Walker. And do you remember Mark um, Galagos? The attorney. Yes, he was an attorney. Don't you remember for Scott Peterson and Chris Brown and Michael Jackson?
1: I remember him from all the headlines. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay, this uh, series is loosely based on their relationship, little Wendy really? and Mark. Yes, do tell. But here's wow. the problem. And this is why I just don't want to spend more than three minutes. It's the writing is just not good enough for the premise.
1: I thought you were going to have a moral objection, like collusion between the press that's supposed to be independent and attorneys who are supposed to be representing their. You know, clients. I
0: have decided after this year of politics <laughs> that I think one just has to assume that every single thing you see on television is fiction. So. And that maybe we just will not hold any factual accountability at anything on television anymore. But um, but setting that it's aside...
1: Like, it's like our network podcast. <laughs>
0: exactly. I just don't think this is, is is written well enough. And I think it could be. And I think the acting's a little bit... I don't know. Maybe they're off to a little bit of a rough start at the beginning. Sometimes it takes a little while for characters to get yin-yang together. Um But I
1: did think there was good chemistry between Daniel Sunjata and Piper Parabo, the leads.
0: Oh, see, Uh, I think she belongs with the other guy. I don't know. I can't really speak to that. Oh, the judge? Well, I think
1: it would appeal to anybody who liked The Catch as a guilty pleasure. Oh,
0: interesting. And, you You know, know, I could only get through two episodes of The Catch. So you're right. If you like The Catch, you might like this. But I think the same problem was true with The Catch. I thought the premise was interesting and certainly compelling to make an entertaining hour once a week on television, not to watch it an entire weekend, I might add. But um, but anyway, so Notorious, I'm, I'm not going to give it a green, ri- green light, are you?
1: I'm going to give it another go. I was okay. one of those people that the catch was a guilty pleasure for me, and if you like good-looking people with good clothes and jump cuts... <laughs> It could be your thing.
0: Okay, it's what is with you in the clothes? Why don't you just buy Vogue magazine or something? You don't <laughs> need to watch television to see great clothing. Okay, fashion forward O'Toole sitting among <laughs> amidst us. Okay, the next one is pitch. Did you you know? Have you heard about pitch? I heard about it, but I haven't seen it yet. Okay, are you so, gonna pitch us pitch again? God, what a great premise for young girls to be able to think that there could be a woman who could actually pitch in the majors. Like the movie. A league of their own? Uh, no, a league of their own was girls playing softball. No, to they repl- were playing
1: baseball during World War Two because the guys were all gone.
0: You know, it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really consider it in the same in the same frame. I mean, she's throwing hundred mile an hour fastballs, but um, but it was done. Now get this. So, and I have to say, this is us. Is uh, both this is us and pitch were both launched. This week, pitch on Fox, and this is us on NBC by Dan Fogelman.
1: I do like Dan Fogelman's work.
0: <gasps> I never even heard of this man until, oh, I, and then I looked goodness. him up. You're right. You're yes, right. Go for it. He did
1: all those animated movies like Cars, uh-huh. and then he did Crazy Stupid Love. Exactly, and I did I like really, that a really lot. Yeah.
0: I will say that I think that especially this is us, which I think is the stronger of the two because it has four really interesting. Um, developed stories to begin and to sort of intertwine. It's the premise that they're all, all the four different storylines. They happen to be born on the same day, which has no necessarily special meaning, although some of us, in fact, you and I included, do believe that birthdays matter a lot. But
1: astrology is my guiding light. Each yes. of
0: the storylines I found really compelling and interesting, and I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next. What about you?
1: You know what kept me from watching that right off the bat? What? The title. Because guess what movie from way, way back it reminded me of?
0: This is Us. I have no idea.
1: Do you remember the story of Us with Michelle Pfeiffer and Bruce Willis? Yes. Okay, so, so I should check that one out, though?
0: Well, I think you should, and I think, I think it's one of the few pilots that I've seen that could have longevity. In other words, it could go on for quite a while because there's so many things, so many twists and turns you could go to, and
1: 364 other birthdays Uh they could go to.
0: Now, pitch. It turns out. um, Do you remember that show? It was very big. I never once saw it, where they all crashed on an island, lost. Lost. I thought you were going to say Gilligan's Island. Um, okay, lost. There, supernatural things started to happen, etc. And I think Pitch may go in that direction. Because again, I've only seen the pilot, but and this isn't a big giveaway. You know, you think her father's alive, but actually died in a car accident before she got to Pitch for the majors. But he sort of shows up. So um, I think I think that I just don't think it's as big a storyline. So I can't see this five years from now still being on television, but I certainly can see this as us on television. And I think the acting is excellent. I think the writing is superb. And he wrote both of them. Now, what is with it? Shonda Rhimes. Now we have Dan Fogelman. And, you know, are these people how do they have time to write two series? Tell me how they do it. I would like to know.
1: I would too, and I've heard there's quite a few shows this fall that have this little supernatural bent. Uh,
0: yeah, th- exactly. They did. I I read a review somewhere around that. Now, also, Mandy Moore is in This Is Us, and she goes into labor. She has a baby in the hospital, and all I could think of when I saw her in that hospital gown, you know, during a good chunk of the of the hour, was Do you remember her on Grey's Anatomy? No. Oh my goodness! How could you forget Mandy Moore <laughs> on Ga- Grey's Anatomy? Remember when he gets shot? When McDreamy gets shot?
1: Oh yes, because Christina Yang's got to fix his head.
0: She well, she got, he was shot in the chest, but okay, oh! um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, he gets shot, but Miranda's little storyline in the entire two episode was Mandy Moore in the hospital to have a her colonoscopy bag removed or something. So um and she goes through the trauma with uh with miranda so i couldn't help but say oh there you are again in the hospital ground in the hospital little mandy moore a few years older is all wow yeah exactly
1: i hope she has a good insurance plan <laughs> true true
0: true, <laughs> true 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 so and then the one that i saw that i also really like is called bull
1: yes with the guy <laughs> from ncis
0: Is that who he is? He's very cute, and I love his glasses. I'm going to go buy them. (laughs) I do. His glasses, it's sort of like, okay, and he plays this very, very smart guy. And do you remember the uh, movie Runaway Jury with Gene Hackman? Yes. Yes. Okay. And at the time that was so cutting edge that they would actually look at the history of the jurors and determine which jurors were right for a jury without just basing it on the questions that they answered in the courtroom. And it was very cutting edge how they researched them. Well, this takes it to a whole nother nother level. Plausible, believable, and clearly something that is going to uh, find a very, very big home, I think. But I can't, I just don't like the name. You know, I can't help but see a name as in Bull, and then you think, of course, that the guy's filled with Bull. But, and that's his name, Dr. Bull. Dr. Bull. Dr. Bull. Mr. Bull. Dr. Bull. But that's my number one pick, actually. Um, This Is Us and Bull are my two number one picks for the fall pilots that I've I viewed.
1: Wow, Halter, you were busy.
0: I was. I I well, maybe I wasn't. Some people would (laughs) say. So, yeah, you may say I was busy because you and I have passion about this. But I can tell you that a lot of my friends were like, "What do you mean you can't come to dinner? Very busy here, (laughs) working, working, working. Very, very busy." Anyway, you're um, you're our professional screener. Well, you know, and a big thanks to Val, who um, is one of our listeners who communicates a lot with us, who sent me an article that sort of listed out the pilots to take a look at, and most of these. I went through the list, and I thought, yes, yes, I'll look at that one, that one, that one. So big thanks to Val for that list, and I hope she's checking you know, them out as well.
1: Val's another one like Shonda Rhimes and Dan <laughs> Fogelman yes. that we really need time management lessons from. She does, she Because I don't she know does. how she gets it all into a day.
0: And you saw a movie we're going to review, too.
1: I did. I went to an advanced screening of Queen of Cotway. And? Well, you know, I love the story behind it. It was actually based on the ESPN article. <laughs> the one I might have
0: missed, you mean that article?
1: <laughs> I love that ESPN covers chess and spelling bees mm. as sporting events.
0: I love chess they movies. Are. I do. I love chess movies.
1: Yep. So it's, um, you know, Disney got behind the movie. And, of course, it's based on a real story of a 15-year-old chess prodigy from Uganda.
0: Uh, no offense, but I didn't know that Uganda was known for its chess... Uh, I just don't think of Uganda that way. I mean, is there a big chess contingent in Uganda? No, there was
1: just a spectacular teacher who was a chess consultant on the movie. And the girl in real life, Fiona, she has a cameo in the film playing a teacher. It was directed by Mira Nair from India, whose first film, Salam Bombay, was nominated for an Oscar. She did Monsoon Wedding. She happens to be married to a Ugandan academic and lives part-time in Uganda so she has a film school there and guess who was one of her first interns who Lupita Nyong'o who's in it Uh, yeah exactly and of course it also stars David Oyelowo who played Martin Luther King in Selma
0: I'm surprised Oprah didn't produce it actually
1: you know it's it's true it kind of has Oprah all over it yeah it
0: does really but Mirinair she really created
1: a sense of place because it was filmed partly in Uganda, but they actually went to Cotway, and many of the people you see in the film were non-actors
0: who just. No, was this woman Katwe. really able to compete, or is this like the uh, ski jumper from England in the Olympics? She
1: could really compete, and wow. there have been documentaries made about both her and her teacher including wow. a documentary by Mira Nair. So I loved these themes of striving, working hard to be a champion, you can uh-huh. learn from losing. Uh-huh. Definitely an ESPN kind of theme.
0: Chess helps us solve problems.
1: Me, but I'm gonna love you anyway. It teaches us to make a plan. If you didn't have a wall to hide behind. Use your minds. But
0: you fall to pieces when your eyes mine.
1: And you will all find safety
0: but I don't think it's gotten big distribution because I couldn't find it anywhere near where I was the last week or really? so. Really?
1: Well, it's gotten much bigger distribution, of course, than the documentaries, something we touched upon in uh-huh. our Selma podcast. But i got to tell you, for no other reason, go for the credits at the end because <laughs> Marinair did something uh, of I have you never yeah. seen before. You know how in other movies like A League of Their Own or um, Schindler's List, when they're based on these real-life stories – they might show the real life person at the very end. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh-huh. But in this movie, what she did is for each of the actors, she had them come out for a curtain call, if you will, and then they were joined on the screen by their real life counterpart. And you see them on film interact with each other. Wow. And the soundtrack huh. is pretty great, too. <laughs>
0: really great soundtracks lately, have you noticed? Which is a perfect segue into Good Girls Revolt. News of the Week is the first draft of history each week. Your job is to be fast and first and good and right. That's all we ask. What I wanted to do to introduce the, the TV show was just to read a Newsweek interview with um, with Nora Ephron, who appears played by grace gummer I know, and you know what, I know you know what i know what i
1: love about that huh. when her mother meryl streep played nora efron in heartburn oh i didn't even make was, that
0: connection brilliant she yeah.
1: was pregnant with grace gummer so grace gummer was literally born into this role
0: well it it, it is um based on the real life situation at newsweek magazine um which in 1969 uh here here's Nora went and interviewed at Newsweek and here here's just her her quote on her interview at the Newsweek interview I said I hoped to become a writer, and the man who interviewed me assured me that women weren't writers at Newsweek. It would never have crossed my mind to object or to say, you're going to turn out to be wrong about me. It was a given in those days that if you were a woman and you wanted to do certain things, you were going to have to be the exception to the rule. I was hired as a male girl for $55 a week.
1: Wow, and luckily for Nora, <laughs> both her parents had been professional writers. Exactly.
0: And then in 1980, 19- uh, 70, a group of them, nicknamed the Dollies by their male bosses, filed a suit against Newsweek. It was the first uh, lawsuit by women against a magazine um, to sue for employment discrimination under the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. And um, Newsweek's been pretty good at looking back and saying we were idiots, no question about it. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that leads up to the television show that just started. Uh, it's on Amazon, and the pilot is out. You can watch it free on, a- on Amazon right now if you want to. And then the show is launching. When's it launching? It
1: premieres October 28th.
0: Okay. And did it remind you, as it did me, of Mad Men for Women?
1: Yes, it did. I guess it's mad women.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. They were, well, they weren't angry until someone pointed out to them that they might want to be. Little Nora really sort of Little went in. Little Nora. And, yeah. Who, by the way, she didn't resign in a huff. She, was, you know, they, they went, some, there was a strike, and she went and started another magazine during the strike. But she never, in real life, Nora did not walk out as dramatically as, <sighs> uh, as Meryl's daughter does. This piece. Hit the bullseye. That
1: was me.
0: Girls do not do reruns. Why not? We have rules protocol. This is ridiculous. I quit. Uh, I thought she did a good job of, I mean, the. I think the portrayal of that time is, is you know, really sort of fun and, and exciting and interesting.
1: You know, it reminded me of something that we discussed in our Mad Men podcast, where I get a little depressed watching these 1960s period pieces where you see how little women were allowed to do back then, and then I get depressed all over again thinking how things are still skewed.
0: Well, they are skewed, but it also points out how far we've come. I mean, I went into the workforce in 73, and basically my boss told me that I couldn't go out to lunch unless it was with two men, not to go out to lunch with one man because it would be perceived as just you know not okay and since I was one of the very few women in management there there was no I ate by myself um as much thinner than I was then. gonna say
1: <laughs> see you're you're such good company that I know it was like a don't public you think I'm service? fun to have lunch
0: with exactly well, see, but it was
1: a public service to the company that you had to go out with as many men as
0: possible uh, but I will but it does point out how I mean I know we're not there and there's no there's not true parody yet but certainly we've come a long way baby that's for sure
1: that's true but watching it I mean I felt a little bit like it's a message movie, the same way that when we were talking about the Star Equity podcast. I mean, I know from the title when you've got Girls and Revolt that that's probably what I should expect. But I thought Mad Men felt more real.
0: Well, you know what? Maybe it felt more real because you're used to seeing men in that sort of situation, and that was so alien for you, who's a, you know, a, you know, a couple of generations behind me to see women in that in that role, but I, it was very real. It's very real well, to I me. Well, I just... Yeah. No, no,
1: no. Like, I, I know that in Mad Men, you could tell that things were so biased. In Good Girls Revolt, you can tell that things are so biased. So again, I get depressed when you hear lines about, oh, you're pretty cute when you've got a scoop. I'm a career girl! <laughs> Young lady, could you give me a cup of coffee? Absolutely. Black Two Sugars? Yes, yes. But I thought Mad Men seemed like they had recreated that sexist world.
0: And you don't think this a was a recreation of the? I, I'm saying this is a recreation of that sexist world. Did, what did you think oh, was no. not realistic? What,
1: I, what I'm saying is that when you compare the two recreations of the sexist world, Mad Men felt like a more authentic world that I'm living in versus watching Good Girls Revolt. I feel like I'm watching a TV show that takes place in 1969.
0: <laughs> oh, see, and I think it was very authentic. You just didn't see that authenticity. You know, you you didn't live that. I felt like
1: I was watching actors play their characters, whereas when on on Mad Men, I feel like they really inhabit their characters.
0: Yeah, no, I I felt that. I feel that these characters are exactly the way they were back then. I, but the other thing it reminds me of—did you ever see the show? It never took off. I think they did one season. Pan Am. Okay, there, it was a bunch of women who were Pan Am airline stewardesses, and it was their travails and, and travels around the world as Pan Am stewardesses. One of them actually carried state secrets for the CIA, and, um, and it didn't take off. And I have a feeling this might have that same issue of difficulty. It, um, it just didn't take off, and I'm not sure why. And then there was another one, too, that was about the um, astronauts' wives. Did you see that one? I never saw that one. Yeah, and th- it's the same thing. So there's astronaut wives, Pan Am, and now there's this Good Girls Revolt. But Good Girls Revolt is, in my mind, infinitely better than than the other two because they really are women with a passion to actually, you know, make good in in business, et cetera. So. Um, you know,
1: I've, I've mentioned before my aversion to the 70s, but maybe from <laughs> what you've just said, I actually have one to the 60s as well.
0: Uh, well, there, yeah, less 60s, no question. I
1: loved the opening scenes where they juxtaposed the free love rock concert with the more staid environment inside the newsroom. I thought cutting back and forth between the two was really great because, oh, you know, yeah. more than one person who was around back then has said that the 60s didn't really take place until the 70s. <laughs> Where you realize that, you know, a lot of the hippie movement was more of a fringe movement for very long. But now when people look back on the 60s, they assume that everybody was at Woodstock.
0: huh? And very, very good. Yeah, (laughs) they they probably these people were not at Woodstock for sure. I want to go back to Gummer again. Mm -hmm. I went back and rewatched a couple of her scenes because I think here's what I figured out. I think she's inherited her mom's uh, talent of owning the screen without diminishing the authenticity of the character. I think she's gonna be a huge success.
1: Did she strike you, though, as a little smug?
0: Well, doesn't Nora Ephron strike you as a little smug?
1: (laughs) Well, I felt more like I was watching a little Meryl play Meryl's version of Nora Ephron (laughs) as opposed to watching Nora Ephron. It's like you guys are fighting over the lower bunk bed in jail. Who gets to make the guys who are writing the story look better?
0: In the state, to the light. Yeah, I think she was smug. But I think Nora would have been as well.
1: But I think she would have been funnier, the real life Nora.
0: Uh I don't know that Nora is known for her humor when she's trying to get something done. And certainly humor would not I don't think it would have played well in 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 that particular environment. But the See, other th- I th-
1: I think Nora was known for humor above all else. Yeah, I don't know if that she was but th- I don't food. know what she
0: was like then, but when you're trying to you know, you're sitting back and you're watching. I thought one of the things Gummer did really well was her empathy in terms of her expressions around her coworker who might have or might not have been pregnant. And I thought her her looks of of disdain and and disturbed disgust around what was going on I thought they were excellent. I really did.
1: And yet, I felt like that conversation jumped to that level of intimate details a little too quickly for somebody where it's their first day on Maybe, the job.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think. I think, uh, work environments in the sixties and seventies for women, you know, you, you were in it to win it together, you know, really very early on. But I thought, anyway, I thought she did a really good job, but I also hope that this generation of millennials watches this show. I hope they do, because I think they have no concept of how very, you know, not long ago it was that things were so very, very, very different.
1: I was thinking watching it that I would prefer to see a documentary about the era. Like if we could have Nora Ephron back and have her answering questions. I mean, she talked a lot about her first jobs Mm. and even being an intern in the White House when JFK was president. But I find hearing it from the mouths of women who really lived it, watching Good Girls Revolt, it's the same objection I had to private practice where I felt it was too same generational. So I would have liked to have seen a bigger age gap in the characters.
0: Well yeah and I I would um I would definitely disagree. I think that I think that seeing this in a narrative in terms of a story being told is ever so much realer and richer than if somebody just described what it was like back then because you know we've seen dis- people describing what it was like to you know in, on in Hollywood and in, in business for women back then. I don't think anything is as strong as actually seeing a narrative on the on the screen. So for me, and I think that just keeping it in the generation of that group that was in Newsweek, there's a couple of generations in Newsweek. In fact, Jim Belucci, talk about bringing a next generation in. Have you ever seen him in a role so serious? See, I
1: felt like he could have been more serious. There's only two adults, really, in that newsroom. I mean, two older adults. Yeah. So it seemed like everybody was a 20-something, and then there's Jim Belucci and the man playing Finn. right. Who's not that old, yeah. you know. Did you see who is the executive producer behind Good Girls Revolt? No. Linda Obst, who started out as a New York Times editor, but she produced so many movies. Sleepless in Seattle, oh, Contact, okay. starring yeah. Jodie Foster. Great and she movie, wrote Contact. Book,
0: I forgot about that movie.
1: Yep. She wrote the book Sleepless in Hollywood talking about how this massive shift happened when all of a sudden box office started skewing towards the foreign box office. And that's why we have so many superhero franchises coming out of Hollywood. Uh Mm-hmm. She's been a a big player in Hollywood for a long time. And did you know the show, the pilot, had two alums from The Good Wife?
0: No, I didn't. Do tell.
1: Yes. Okay. Anna Camp, who on The Good Wife was the niece of the divorce attorney. But she's the one we saw recently in Woody Allen's Cafe Society, Uh where Uh she played the hapless hooker. Okay. And Hunter Parrish, who plays the love interest. He's the one who killed off Will Garner
0: on The Good Wife. I'm so sorry that he died. I, you know, I did, I was not watching it during that season and I know it was very distressing to you and I just want oh, to extend my, tears. yeah, my condolences yet again. And,
1: you know, a, a shout out to Aaron Sorkin with his walk and talks because now you cannot have a newsroom
0: really without
1: people walking and talking down the hallway.
0: Now they must be thinking that it's going to be good because, um, because Amazon's already renewed it for 10 more episodes also, can I just ask a question about Grace Gummer has a sister who's also an actor, right?
1: Mamie Gummer, and they look so similar okay, to but one. Like, another.
0: So is Grace I mean, who's ahead? Is it because I haven't seen Mamie in a while?
1: You saw Mamie Gummer and Ricky in the Flash. Where she didn't, she wasn't allowed to wash her hair.
0: Yeah. Meryl Streep playing the rock star. Okay. So, you know, but I don't know. I sort of think Grace, you know, and the other thing is Grace was in Sorkin's. Newsroom. She was. And I do think she's playing, playing it a bit in a similar fashion. Okay. The music, come on, come on, baby, light my fire. (laughs) No, seriously. The music. Didn't you love every single thing that came on?
1: You know, the music is definitely a big plus, and I am interested to see where they're going to bring the
0: plot. There's great changes sweeping this country, and it is so important that you're a part of it.
1: I would love to know what their music
0: budget was. I don't know, but whatever it is, they're paying it, and I think it's worth it. So easy does it. Should we move into easy here?
1: Yes, as I like to call it eight easy pieces <laughs> since it's, it's it's eight vignettes.
0: Dance with me. Dance with me. <laughs> Many people end up missing the one because they're texting. Do you want to take your coat off and stay a while, no, or I don't. what? I think you... I'm okay with my coat on. Oh no! Wait, well, you watched all eight episodes, right? Well, I did
1: because I heard from my friend Hollister that this was the show everyone was talking about, so I they made sure. Are, I but watched I
0: couldn't. It. I did not watch them. Don't all. tell I me not. you
1: bailed, and I sat there watching all eight episodes. I did, but
0: you know, many times, just so we can say this up front, I watched all the way through, and you did not. So. <laughs> Right, first of all, can we get, explain the name to me. What does the what is this name Easy supposed to be portraying?
1: I was hoping you could tell me maybe yeah, there get um, it. Social availability?
0: Uh, well, that's <laughs> interesting. Is that what you really think? <laughs>
1: well, I gotta tell you what I saw the first, I don't know how many minutes of the pilot. I guess it's not even a pilot, but episode one since they are standalone vignettes. I was like, did i did I click on the right thing on Netflix? Am I watching domestic porn? <laughs> I was
0: like, what has Hollister gotten me into? Actually I, I read a write up that said that the sex scenes in it are truly right up there with girls in terms of their authenticity, but I didn't get it.
1: Well, you know how long I lasted watching girls. I
0: thought it was really depressing. I well, think I found I found all of the vignettes where people were adjusting themselves to the other person over and over again and um I, I you know certainly in the first one where she is in a, a marriage where she you know that he's a stay-at-home dad and and she's trying to beef up their sex life and in the end she just sort of feeds him as if he had actually done it when clearly she was faking not even as well as Sleepless in Seattle's Meg Ryan and I just felt sad it just seemed so empty but it had a very interesting
1: underlying point and again, okay. there are certain things I do not Give me that point, girlfriend. What was the for, point? which is the same thing that made me stop watching Fleabag. <laughs> but um, when they have that discussion at the party about how this man brings up an article he had read that women and men, heterosexual couples have better sex lives if their jobs are more traditionally gender-specific jobs.
0: According to this study, if I was doing less laundry and less dishes, we would be having more sex. It's not our fault are if you feel emasculated. Exactly. But you're saying She's that the women French. are
1: less likely to want to f*** the guy if they're making more money.
0: Bam! No. Okay.
1: And so, of course, the one guy's the house husband, and he's like, oh my god, is that why our sex life is not what it used to be? And by the end of that episode, look at the costume she picked out for him. Yes. Hi
0: there, uh, Mr. Oh, this is that voice you're doing. First of all, I'm a, I'm a construction worker, right? So why am I fixing your sink? Right, she was trying to reverse the roles, no question. And how is that easy?
1: Well, I don't know that that's easy, but I thought that had something interesting to say about gender roles.
0: Well, I went through a lot of interviews, you know, Mr. Um, Swanberg, who's, you know, the, the creator of all this and the director. And he I wrote tr-
1: all eight episodes.
0: I, I know. I thought that I'm was try- very like, Why impressive. did you name it? It just, I just, I, I wish he would have explained what this name is all about. He says that there are eight tales of art and sex. That's true. Okay, does that mean it was easy to create these <laughs> tales of art? Uh, I do I'm impressed he got it done. I thought he had very sound
1: story structure in each vignette. Each okay. one's about 26 minutes long. Yeah. And by episode seven, he starts reintroducing some of the characters from the earlier episodes and their story arcs intersect. I was swept up in that a little bit. I, there was something very real about this where it really felt like a slice of life. And I guess this is my theme for the week, because watching Queen of Katya, realizing there's documentaries out there, and I'm going to put some links up on our website, ScreenThoughts.net, for anybody who'd like to meet the real Fiona. Um, You know, and then with Good Girls Revolt, where I thought, I think I'd rather watch a documentary about the 60s. And then here we are, more narrative programming easy. And yet, because it felt so real, there was something that, although I didn't need all the visuals, there was something compelling in the storytelling for me.
0: Huh. Well, now here's the, here's what I could I couldn't help comparing it to. Do you remember when we interviewed the nicest, cutest guy in the history of the world? I am so
1: glad you brought up Connor Hines because exactly I was wondering I, if he had written some of
0: these. Well, it's so funny. Well, I you know I didn't see his name anywhere. But here's what's interesting. I you know he was working on a budget of hundred <laughs> and fifty dollars, and I think his storytelling around. You know, this was supposed to be about art and sex. You know, it was about the sex lives of all these people's lives or whatever. I think Connor Hines did it in 15 minutes, 10 times better than Joe Swamberg did, in a half an hour, eight times.
1: I thought they, they both did great.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I, I just, I don't know.
1: And I did not feel the acting at all. I really felt like these were real people discussing. Oh, I think they were
0: really, really good actors. Excellent acts. Excellent acting. Did you
1: notice in episode one? I'm sure you did. The woman from Gray's, the one that Karev gave a new face to. Oh yes, (laughs) she played the wife. And then by the time you get to episode six. There was yet another actor from Don't Think Twice that we did a, a podcast about, Kate Micucci. I've been on
0: four dates. Two were bar dates. Two were coffee dates. And? The two bar dates, I slept with them.
1: That's the difference between coffee and vodka. Want, she was there with Malin Akerman the one from Billions, uh-huh. and Orlando
0: Bloom. Well, Orlando Bloom just makes me laugh. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, sort of like, okay. Now, also, what was, you know, the one episode is in Spanish. What was that about?
1: Mm-hmm. Sí, oh, my God, I don't think I can move
0: it's a couple
1: they're trying to conceive
0: no but what no i know i mean but what but why would he do one episode i mean i was fine and i i mean i'm all for that but was that to try to bring sort of parody in in terms of america's demographic into the show well i didn't get it i
1: didn't think so i thought if he said it's about art and sex
0: there you uh-huh. are
1: the the object would okay. be the couch because it's got its own story arc the sofa bed that they buy at the very beginning and then it's definitely about sex because her ex-lover and still friend appears on the scene and she and her husband aren't able to conceive so here this wild man has re-entered their lives and accuses them of being too staid and not wanting to go out in chicago
0: Now, also, Joe Swanberg, doesn't he look cute and young and as if he doesn't have this kind of sexual freedom to be able to look at all these different things? I am so impressed
1: with how much he's already gotten done. I know, right? You know, one of the actors who appears in more than one episode is Jane Addams, who I thought was fantastic. Again, very real in her acting, and Joe Swanberg directed her in a film called all the light in the sky Mm. it's not available on netflix so i've got to find it somewhere because i would i'd love to see it you know the man that you referenced from episode one the one where um you know it's the halloween episode yeah he was in mistress america that we reviewed
0: he was and he there's a very poignant moment i mean there are a number of poignant moments in the in the three episodes that i watched but he, there's a poignant moment with his son where he's saying when I'm not there you have to like help your little sister and it was just beautifully beautifully told and and he took his time with it and it was just didn't even have to be there but I really liked it and I thought it really said something about how very good he was at his job of being a stay-at-home dad mhm yeah and then he goes into the bedroom and she thanks him for for doing that so um
1: Did you see the one where Dave Franco played the beer entrepreneur and stoner? Uh, No. At first, I I thought it was James Franco. I mean, here we are discussing gene pools. It's like Grace Gummer and Merrill. I was like, is that James Franco? And I was like, oh, it's his brother.
0: I know. know, Episode five,
1: I thought, was pretty interesting about a graphic novelist who writes his newest novel called Obscurity. And, of course, it's almost like he curses himself because he goes to his own reading and only about six people show up. (laughs) <laughs> so he just goes for beers with all of them, and one of his six fans asks if Melanie is in his third book, and he looks at her and he says, "She's not even in my phone." <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so, it, but it was all about. Are he's you? Got a, yeah, he's you know. for dialogue because they bring up this theme: what is an artist allowed to appropriate in terms of their real life and the people in their real lives into their own art? And of course, then the tables are turned because his fan then starts taking selfies of him and her together and puts it in an art show and does the same thing to him that he's done to all his exes in his graphic novels. And I thought, again, it's an interesting underlying
0: theme. Art and sex. Yeah. Well, but then why not call it art and sex? I mean, that would have made me, I would have understood that. You know, this is your inner marketer, your, your inner well, marketing I, you know, genius. I'm, I know. I get hung up in titles the way you are in credits. I can see why. I know. They really matter to me because I think they should help me with preparing me for whatever it's going to be. And when it doesn't, I find it just disconcerting, you know? Mm -hmm. By the way, I don't think any of these were easy to watch either. I think they were, you know, again, they made me sad. They they felt lonely, at least the ones I saw. Wow.
1: I, again, I, I bring up domestic porn. I was like, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually surprised you liked it as much as you did, because you're not somebody who is a big proponent of that.
1: I don't need that aspect of it, but there was mm-hmm. some very real storytelling in this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good for you. So, I well, we had a busy week. Come on. Were we busy? We, we did were our, come busy. On. We really, uh, we really were. We were really busy. We watched a lot, a lot, a lot of things. And um And would I love had a to really hear what... time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Best fun ever. <laughs> sorry everybody that I didn't make dinners to, etc. But I had a really good time. And you know it would of course
1: love to hear what you listeners are are watching, so let us know on screenthoughts.net. So Hollister, what are you gonna be watching this week?
0: <laughs> um I'm gonna be watching people across the table eating dinner is what I'm gonna be <laughs> watching. <laughs>